You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Oh, what a shot from Curry! You don't like that? You don't like NBA basketball! Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of All Nat. I'm your host, Natalie, but most people call me Nat. Um, today, I am joined by the wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Mo. Uh, she's uh, one of my mutuals. Uh, someone who we follow each other on Twitter. Uh, she is a lifelong just Atlanta sports area fan. Um, you can see if you're watching on video, she's wearing her Hawks uh, t-shirt. She goes to like almost every Hawks game. So I'm super jealous um, when they're at home and like she just knows this team. And she's also just coming off a celebration of her baseball team uh winning so i'm gonna let mo introduce herself to you and let you know where you can find her but you know i always love chopping it up with women who know sports and especially those who are like basketball fiends like me and so i'm so happy to welcome you to the show mo thank you for joining me well thanks for having me nat i as you can see i am an atlanta hawks fan i've been an atlanta hawks fan because i'm originally from Atlanta. I was born and raised in Atlanta. And that's all that I know. Um, Atlanta Hawks, Atlanta Braves, Atlanta Falcons, Atlanta Dream, and then all, of course, Georgia State University. I graduated from Georgia State University with a criminal justice degree. So um, <clears throat> sports has been an outlet for me. Um, I've been attending the Atlanta Hawks game since I can afford it since I started working. <laughs> um, I started paying for my own tickets, right? Because I was at first coming with my family. And it's, 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 it's a joy to be able to support the Atlanta Hawks. It's been very exciting. So, I mean, you've been through the ups and the downs, right? And mm-hmm. so what is it like now, right now in Atlanta and just for like fans of the team with like coming off of a playoff run where you guys got to the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean, when's the last time you guys have, gotten there well keep in mind in 2015 we were undefeated in, <clears throat> in the month of january that's and right we've been there before we just hit a um hit a rough patch or and we had to we <clears throat> we had to basically start all over again so it's very difficult for a fan like me to see the highs and then have to come all the way back down um that, that was, year when that's had- when al horford was on the team Al Horford, um, 
Kyle Corver, Jeff Teague, Paul Millsap. We had all of those players. And we also had Mike Budenholzer as our coach, who is now the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. So um, <clears throat> it, was a, it was a joyous time. But of course, you know, one of my players had a, a, um, an encounter with the New York Police Department, Cephalosha, yeah. when they broke his leg and it just went down here from there. So, Wait, was that during that run? That was during that season? Mm -hmm. It was at the end of that. I think it was at the end of January. Because that, that, I think we were 17 and 0 that month. We were undefeated in the month of January. And we were on a verge. Like, we were really going to challenge LeBron James in Cleveland. But, you know, things happened. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, so that team... You know, well, first of all, a lot of those guys you named, they were a lot younger. So they were like in their primes or maybe near the end of their primes, but like they were still like really good, great players. Then at that time, like Kyle Corver was still Kyle Corver and, you know, the others you named. Um, But people sort of, you guys won a lot of games that year, over 60 games that season, right? Yeah, I think yeah, it was over 60 games that season. Mm -hmm. And but Budenholzer, is that how I say his name? Mike, just call him Mike. <laughs> Budenholzer. Yeah, Mike was the coach. And like, until the Bucks just won, people really were not a believer in him. And I mean, I think there were a lot of doubters for that team. I'm sure you, you used to hear that. So like, was that, because I mean, people kind of like talk about that team and clown them. They did still get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but like you guys had some injuries. You just had some unfortunate luck during that playoff run that I definitely think affected it. Um, no one likes to make excuses. I understand that, but I'm a big believer in like, look, there are reasons that certain things happen. And I don't like to overlook them. So like, how frustrating was that for you? Like when all of that happened, when you guys were like kind of rolling the whole season? Well, it's frustrating when I hear people talk about when they compare other teams to the Atlanta Hawks in terms of a disappointment. I know they compare the Utah Jazz run last year to the Atlanta Hawks, saying that they're good regular season or they're good they're a good regular season team, but then when they get to the playoffs, it's something different. I I was kind of like offended by that because I, I don't think a lot of people understood that a lot of things that they had to deal with was beyond their control, like the New York Police Department. And then, of course, um, Cal Corver was injured by, I can't think of his name. Um, he was with the Mavs. I can't, I can't, I mean, the Cavs. I'm sorry. I can't think of his name. Della Vadova. I call him Della Dirty, but Della Vadova. Exactly. You know, we, we had a, quite a bit of an incident with our players where we felt like he was dirty. So, whenever people talk about the Atlanta Hawks team, they fail to realize. <clears throat> that again, a lot of things that happened to the players were beyond their control, such as injuries and, you know, injury, uh, such as injuries and of course, you know, court appearances, because our coach actually had to go to court to testify on behalf of Cephalosha. And if you're a coach trying to, you know, coach a team and then be a witness for them, that's a lot. Right. So, mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, I mean, Danny Ferry, and then Danny Ferry, when those comments leaked, I think Lou Aldean, those African comments, um, he was actually reading a scouting report from the Cleveland Cavaliers on Lou Aldean. And obviously, for some apparent reason, a lot of people thought that those were his words, and we had to let go of Danny Ferry. So 
Mike Budenholzer. They weren't his words. No, they were not his words. He was reading a scouting report based out of Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I see. Because we had just traded, I think we had just traded for Luau, who was interested. Can you give um, a little background on that for like, because anyone who might be listening who doesn't remember that incident, I don't want to assume everyone remembers it. Could you just give like a brief background on that? What happened? Well, um, I what it I, what it was was Atlanta was under a different ownership, right? And there was some bickering amongst the owners. I think some of the owners were happy with the direction that Danny Ferry went, and some of them weren't happy. And for some apparent reason, they were in a meeting. They were discussing players that they were going to potentially target at the trade deadline. And Danny Ferry read a scouting <laughs> report out of Cleveland based on, you know, about Luol Deng. And for some apparent reason that the, the words or whatever happened in that meeting were leaked out to the press. And it, it came off as if those were his words. Did the Atlanta Hawks do a good job of, of um, getting, you know, getting behind Danny Ferry? No. So they allowed him to take the hit. And of course, because and the, the words Hawks, were derogatory about the player, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I have to look up those you know, I would have to look at No, it. we don't have to. No, no, no. I can't remember the exact words, but it was something on the, long, on the lines of African and being good because you're African, I believe. But um, <clears throat> we had to let them go. And then, of course, we had to fight allegations of being a racist organization. So that's why, you know, we ended up hiring a, what, a diversity, chief diversity officer to sort of bridge the yeah, because you know Atlanta is what majority African Americans. It's, right. You can't have those racial problems with a black player in a black city. So, right. But we managed to get out of that. So, and because before that kind of era of the Hawks, it was like the last time you guys were like in the playoffs, it was like what the Josh Smith era, right? Yeah, Joe Johnson. Those were, and you know, I'm saying I love those years. I wouldn't take back anything about any player that played for Georgia, I mean, played for um, the Atlanta Hawks. Um, we've had some memorable moments in the playoffs. Um, Joe Johnson, buzzer beaters, at, um, Josh Smith is dunk, you know. I mean, it's, I will never forget that team. Okay. So there's a difference though now with this team, mm -hmm. and that is that you guys have Trey Young. So you have a bonus, bona fide star you know, which is a little bit different. You had some great players before, but Trey, I think is, you know, looked upon as like one of the stars in the league. He's been an all-star. I think Atlanta Hawks fans, as well as Trey and other people on the team felt like he was snubbed last year, right? Um, you guys are coming off of an Eastern Conference Finals run um, where Trey became a, a menace to the, 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 <laughs> the New York fans. <laughs> at Madison Square Gardens. Um, he's kind of like the new age Reggie Miller, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think exceeded a lot of people's expectations, not Atlanta Hawks fans, but mm -hmm. like exceeded a lot of people's expectations. So how are you feeling about the team after that? And they're, you know, what you expect for them this season based off of, you know, what happened last year? Well, I mean, they've, you know, they've exceeded expectations, but now that those expectations have been placed upon them, they have to meet them. I mean, it's just a period point blank. Um, there's, there's no longer going to be the days of, oh, he's just young, he's growing, we're rebuilding. You can't rebuild anymore. You can't go back. 
You either have to com contend, compete or contend. There's nothing else. So right now we're struggling because it's a good thing to have depth, but a lot of times it's what you do with the depth that matters. So you may have one player that's not happy about the minutes that he's getting and another player not happy about, you know, how he's being used. So right now the Hawks are having to, you know, figure out how they're going to play together, what rotation work well with each other. And again, like I said, it all starts with Trey Young and it starts with the coaching staff. We not only did we, we we brought back the same group, but we changed our coaching staff a bit. And I think that requires some adjustments for the players. Mm -hmm. How did the you said the coaching staff changed? Mm-hmm. Yes. So Nate brought in some new people. Nate or? brought in I mean, he brought in his son, and then we that came from, um, I think his son worked for the New Orleans Pelicans. And I am a big, like, I'm a big believer of, you know, looking into or judging a person based on where they come from. And I didn't think that New Orleans Pelican did a good job of developing their players. So I was already kind of iffy about him, you know, bringing in his son um, because, you know, I wanted to know exactly what type of impact was he going to have on the Hawks players. I mean, I don't see much of an impact in New Orleans. So that was a concern for me. I think we brought, um, I can't think of his name. Ugh. I'll get back to it, but we did bring in another coach that I like. He played for, he was our coach before. Okay. I can't think of his name right now. I'll come back to it. So do you, do you think, cause there were some interesting quotes recently, you know, um, how many how many losses have you guys had now in a row? Is it two or three? We are no, we are we are four and five. So we have five you're four losses. and five. But how many yes, in a row? Four have you had? How many row in a row? Oh, probably about three. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, there were some quotes recently from Trey and the and and Nate, but you know Trey said something along the lines around you know kind of lacking motivation maybe like after coming off of like last year, not lacking, but like just needing to get motivating and saying like, look, I'm going to admit to you, it's kind of hard, you know, to like, we got to get motivated kind of a thing. And then I think Nate talked mm -hmm. about like needing two-way players and needing guys, you know, who, who do certain things. And the team hasn't really changed that much from last year. Yeah. So what do you think? I mean, do you think it's just the adjusting to the coaching changes were you surprised to hear like those comments? Do you think that's playing more of a factor than maybe you you would have thought before? I I asked that they would interview other players because I, I totally feel like that's how Trey Young feels. Um, but I don't think that's reflective of the other players. You know, you got to keep in mind, Cam Reddish didn't hardly play last year, so he wouldn't be tired. He wouldn't be exhausted. He's ready to play. DeAndre Hunter didn't play as much last last season. So he's not feeling the same way as Trey. So I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily say that quote fits all the players. That probably fits Trey where he's at. Maybe he's bored because Trey grew really fast. Trey takes his offseason serious. So his where he's at versus where some of his teammates at may not be on the same <clears> level. And I think that's where he means when he says bored. Like, I'm just tired. Like, I'm ready to compete. Like, give me, you know, we need to go ahead and compete. You know, everybody needs to be on the same level. 
So it can be boring when you're waiting for them to develop other players because we are trying to get Cam Reddish where the other players are at. Because Cam Reddish missed roughly two years. Right. Rookie season and then last season. So in he's a been struggling a little bit, right? Um, I'm sorry. He's, he's been struggling a little, Cam. No, he actually has been doing well, but the problem has been they've been cut, cutting into Kevin Herter's minutes. Oh, it's so Kevin who's been struggling. I'm Kevin, yeah, David, Kevin has definitely been struggling, because, but they've been cutting into his minutes to develop Cam, and I'm like, you have to find a way to, to make them work, and it starts in practice. I don't know exactly where our players are doing in practice, but whatever is happening, it's not translating on the court, because we're number one in turnovers. And I think we're 27th in defense. So you cannot turn the ball over and be that poor in defense. So a lot of the Atlanta Hawks <clears throat> issues with defense is transition. They don't get back. When you turn the ball over, you know, you're probably, that, that player is probably not hustling back. You got to hustle back. You got to get in the way. You got to block some shots. I also noticed that Capella doesn't have any lift. Capella does a lot more than what the stat sheets show. No, he's not going to give you a 20-20 every game. But what he does is he basically prevents those transition points. Because when a Hawks are missing shots, or even when he misses his own shots, he's grabbing the rebound. So what is that doing? It's giving us extra possession. We're not getting those extra possessions. It's like one shot and we're back to deep playing defense. So that's interesting that you guys are struggling a little bit on defense because Nate is known to be a defensive minded coach. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, isn't that one of the things that sort of turned around the season last year? Cause you guys were, I don't know, maybe hovering around 500 or not, you know, or maybe a little below. I, I don't recall the exact record. And then there was a coaching change mid season and Nate came in and it's like the Hawks took off. Right. And I mean, he changed things, but a lot of that too was like, at least for me on the outside looking in, mm -hmm. like the defense got better, like Trey was really buying in, you know? So it's interesting to see that there are some defensive struggles this year. The Again, I said, it comes down to not taking care of the ball and not making good decisions with the ball. <clears throat> I think that the Hawks um, should be better in defense, but I feel like Capella doesn't have that lift. A lot of your defense, is keeping the possession within, you know, keeping the possession so that you can continue to score, minimizing your opponent's, you know, possession. And we're not getting as many of those rebounds. I also think that we're struggling. We're, we're putting more energy on offense than we are on defense. When the Hawks drafted Cam Reddish and they drafted DeAndre Hunter, they were under the, you know, impression that they would be having, getting two two-way players. Well, in my opinion, based on my observation, we only have one. Okay. And that's and Hunter. That? Which one's that? Okay. Hunter. You know, Cam Reddish has done really well as far as, you know, trying to get his offense going. But he has to do it on both sides of the ball. And sometimes I feel like with him, whenever his shots are not going or falling or he doesn't get the touches, it's not there. The defense is not there. But then also, Herter has improved in defense. But if his minutes are cut, you're not getting a defense. 
we played we're playing a lot more we're playing a lot more Lou Williams Lou Williams as a point guard as opposed to Lou Williams as a shooting guard so I feel like he's not being played in a position that he would thrive in he's better okay. shooting um, that's why he's the sick man for a reason not facilitating and then trying to get a shot um, I thought De- I thought Delon Wright would fit in but he's struggling he's struggling so bad that Nate <coughs> hasn't played him the last two or three games. So DeLon is just literally sitting on a bench while we play Kevin Herter and Lou Williams as point guard. But as Hawks fans, we knew last year that that was not effective. We knew last year that playing Gallinari and John Collins together was not effective. So no wonder we're bottom three in the defense because we're trying things that this year that we knew didn't work last year or last season. Why are you continuing to try the same thing? Why are you trying to make these work? You have to make the line right work or it will be a waste of time trading for him. I mean, Cam Reddish has been in trade talks before. Do you think that there's a fit for him on the squad? Because it seems like from what you said, it's affecting the development of Herder. Hmm. I think I think Cam Reddish <clears throat> I think how they're being used is more of the issue than his development I think Cam Reddish is, is so puzzling to me because on there's some games where he can play lights out I mean like the shots are there he's taking really good shots but then on other nights not only is his shots not falling, but he's not making good decisions with the ball. So I think with Cam Reddish, it is finding a fit on his team. But for me, I'm looking for him to be the defensive stopper on the second unit when DeAndre Hunter and Capella goes out. Because DeAndre Hunter is our best defender, then, then Cam is supposed to be number two. But so far, it looks like it's DeAndre Hunter, Luol, not Luol Dean, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, and John Collins, and then, then everybody else. But we're looking for... No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. No, we're just looking for Cam Reddish to be that two-way player so that if he's not scoring, he's at least impacting the defense. So have they, in the games that they've won, right, versus mm-hmm. the game that they lost, you guys are one game now under 500. Have yeah. you seen a difference in the games where they got wins versus what they got losses? Like, are you seeing any notable differences that you can say? Like, I know, like, like the Warriors lost one game this season. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, by no means have we been perfect every game. There's, like, things <laughs> to improve in every game. But what's notable in the game that they lost is like the turnovers and the Warriors have always been a high turnover team. Um, but the turnovers that game was like 22. Like you're, you're not going to beat many teams if you have 22 mm-hmm. turnovers. And I know that the, is it the GM who's over there? But he came from the Warriors organization. Yeah, so I was going to get on that. Mm-hmm. The philosophies are a little bit different. So I know there's like, I think, I mean, 
that's part of the reason why they draft a tray. Not like, I don't like the tray step comparison. So that's not where I'm going. But in terms of like philosophies, basketball philosophies, ball movement, that kind of thing, using, you know, his abilities well, as a point is, guard. The thing is, whenever Atlanta has hired a GM, we were always under the impression that they would take on the persona of the team that the GM was hired from. So when we hired Danny Ferry, our focus was on running a Popovich type offense. And it worked. It worked in 2015 until the injuries, right? So when we hired Travis Schlink from Golden State, we was under the impression that, oh, we're going to, you know, play similar to Golden State. But as you notice, Golden State is similar to the Spurs. So the Spurs is the grandfather of the offense in the league at right now. Um, so when we hired Trey Young, we weren't expecting Trey Young to be Steph Curry. We right. were just expecting Trey Young to lead this lead our team in scoring and assists the same way as he did at Oklahoma, right? So to be honest with we going from Lloyd Pierce to Nate McMillan, we really don't know each one philosophy. But what I can tell you is that Nate McMillan is not on, he's not, he, I don't know his philosophy. I think his philosophy focuses more on mid-range shots. And if that is the case, then this team won't thrive. Because you notice the league is what, threes and what, paint buckets, right? Baskets. But it does seem like there's like a trend to move like towards like with the rule changes that does seem like it's an effort to give defenders, you know, yeah. a little bit more flexibility. So I feel like that, that, that would be a benefit for a coach like Nate. Right. Cause I mean, it, it, it may benefit him, but the personnel, you, you, you have the coach according to your personnel. You can't coach to, how you want them to play, it's what would best fit the players. You know what I mean? So I think that's another part of the struggle is figuring out the best way to use the players on his roster as opposed to trying to make them adapt to what he has. Like, here's the thing. He took over the second half of last season, right? He didn't change much because it was too late to change. You don't want to change the offense or do anything in the middle of a season, just continue to let them do what they were already doing and just add your own. What it looks like this season is that he just totally scrapped everything that they were doing and he's doing his own thing and it's just not fitting the players. Has he talked about and it at all? Like, like changes to his, like his system and why? He, he, I don't, he, I don't watch the, I don't watch the Hawks mm -hmm. except usually like when they're on national TV. So I, I don't follow them in and out. So I don't know, sorry. Um, I don't know like what kind of changes he's making, but has he spoken about why he might be trying to change the system and have them play differently? Like, did he see weaknesses in last year? Or, I mean, is there any, has anyone spoken about it or talked about why it might be happening? Our writers are. Our writers are talking about it. Like our bloggers are talking about it, but as far as the beat writers, they haven't asked him that question yet. Probably because we're nine games into the season and they want to see if it continues before asking him the question. But the fans have caught on to it. We're noticing that we're taking way more mid-range shots. 
then we are taking, you know, three. And what are, what are like the media saying, the ones who like cover the team? You said they haven't asked them, but what are they saying, you know? Well, at even... the rim, we're taking 31% shots at the rim. Short mid-ranges are 22.8%. Long mid-ranges are 17.2%. All mid-ranges are 40.1%. Corner threes, look, corner threes, 6.1%. Non-corners, 22.8 and all three 28.9. So we're taking 28.93 and 42.1% mid ranges. Like, what's going on? And you know, at the last game, I was like, I mean, literally asking for my second half team back. I literally like chanted to the players, like, can we get our second half team back? What, what we're basically seeing is the same team that we had in the first half of last year. And we all know that the players did not want to play for Lord Pierce. I am hoping that that is not the situation this year. Because at this point, we cannot have players pouting every time something doesn't go their way, that they decide that they're not going to play according to how they're supposed to be played. We let them get away with it last year. We knew that Lloyd Pierce was not that good. We were understanding, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to point at another coach again. Right. And okay. I think, again, if they're playing because they're not feeling what he's running, go to your coach, talk to your coach, tell them, you know, hey, coach, you know, can we can we add this in? Can we add these plays? Can I be used to You can always talk to your coach. They should always have an open door for you. Mm-hmm. So I I have noticed that your your away record is worse than your home record. Mm-hmm. So at home, you guys are three and one. On the road, you're one and one and four, I think. Um yeah. no, one is the on the road, we are on the road, we are probably one and what three. Maybe that's right. Hold on. Let me look. I just had it up. I'm going to look. Hold on a moment. On a row, we are one. Mm -mm. We lost against Cleveland. That's one. We lost against the Weirdly. That's two. The 76ers. That's three. And then the next, that's four. So we are one and four. Yep. That's what I thought. So you're... Mm -hmm. Your mm-hmm. home record is three and one. Your road record is one and four. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, look, it's normal for the home record to be better than the road record, but good teams went on the road. So mm-hmm. that obviously, I'm not saying that that's the main reason for like, you know, the wins and the losses, but that seems to be a struggle for you guys this season. Was that an issue last year? No, as a matter of fact, I think we had an eight-game road trip last year, and we did so well. Like, I think we came with a winning record, probably lost maybe two, maybe two or three games out of that eight-game road trip. So I was really happy for them. Um, Again, I said it's early in the season to, you know, compare this year and last year because, again, like I said, last year, they did get off to a bad start. However... If I'm comparing this to last year, 
We played well last year at the beginning of the year, even though we were struggling. We played well. However, it felt like Lloyd Pierce was intentionally doing things to make them lose. Now, gotcha. So, I mean, one other thing, too, that's been out there, right, is Mm -hmm. Trey and whether or not he's being affected by the rule changes. He also made some comments about that, and he he brought up some other players around the league, like Dame and some others who were shooting, you know, a little lower than their normal percentages and just kind of hinting at the fact that the rule changes, I don't know, could be an issue. And then I know there's some other theories that are floating around about, like, the new balls, because they they went from Spalding to Wilson. And... um. Do you think any of that is affecting Trey? And if it is, like, I mean, do you just believe, like, he'll figure it out because he's a great player? When players release shoes or have outside projects that they're concentrating on, it will impact their game. Because in order to be a star, you have to focus totally on leading your team. So how many shoes has he released? And he's probably going to be mad about this. <laughs> so you think his focus is he's just not he's totally really, focused I think that he has just he has other things like he's released what two or three shoes already beginning of the season so and it was the same thing with Donovan Mitchell where you know Donovan Mitchell is not an Atlanta Hawks player but I had noticed that when he had the release of his spider shoes I believe it was that his performance went down and I remember at that time as a normal fan tweeting him saying you know, you got to focus on the game. I have not tweeted that yet to Trey Young, but I, I, again, like I said, he has, he has so many things going on. One being the release of the shoes and, of course, you know, a new uh, a coach who's probably implementing this system. And That's like, interesting. Like, so you don't think the rules are having any impact on him? The rules haven't, the rules, keep in mind that Atlanta Hawks was one of the top teams in free throw that wasn't just Trey Young. It was DeAndre Hunter. I think it was Capella. At one point, they were doing uh, implementing the what? Well, not implementing, but they were doing the Hackapella thing, where to slow Trey Young down, they would just send you know Capella to the line, hoping that he would miss his free throws. Last year, he was missing his free throws, but he worked on that. So, again, like I said, it's not just a Trey Young factor. It, um, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter actually got a technical foul. As a matter of fact, there's been uptick in technical fouls among this team. I think that they're frustrated that the calls are not going both ways. And as a Atlanta Hawks fan, I do think that's the same thing. Trey is not asking for him to get the calls. You know, he's asking for it to be called fairly. And a lot of times, teams can catch or whack the players or Hawks players, and they'll let it slide. But you breathe on an opponent. It's a foul. So I don't think that <clears throat> it's impacted Trey because Trey is still getting the same amount of shots. I mean, as a matter of fact, I think he had 20 shots last game and I think maybe 23, 26 shots the other game. I think he's shooting a lot. That's what I think is happening. He's shooting mm-hmm. a lot more than I would like. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, I, you know, I think... I think it's probably impacting him a little bit, but mm-hmm. I also think like he'll figure it out because he's a great player. Um, but you know, I would defer to you on this because, like I said, I don't I don't watch the Hawks in and out I think every his night. Passing, I think his passing. Look at his assists. 
this went way down. We're used to Trey having, Trey did not Steph Curry where Steph Curry would shoot a lot and probably more efficiently. Trey excelled in passing and scoring. While his scoring hasn't been as efficient as we'd like, he's a really good passer. That passing yes. hasn't been there. That's not foul related. That's a Trey related, focus related, a focus issue. No, that's a good point. That's and a and I think point. in his, um, his um, interview, he said, you know, the struggle is finding the player, you know what I mean, to score. I think he mentioned something about, you know, everybody wants to score, everybody wants to contribute, but some people have to sacrifice. Maybe he's saying that some people aren't going to get the ball as much as they like from him. And I think he's probably trying to figure out a balance in giving each one of his teammates enough touches that would satisfy them. Do you that's think he needs to issue. sacrifice any? Because you you hinted at him shooting maybe a little bit too much. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I think what DeAndre Hunter was what six for eight last game against um the Utah Jazz, only had one shot in the second half. One shot. Okay. Like the Hawks have it. The Hawks are not going, they're just not going to the player who's hot at the moment. It's like they're they're gonna continue to shoot until they get warm. Let me let me just shoot until I get high or until I get a rhythm. But that's okay. not where it should be. It should be finding the players that are you know hot or that are producing so that you can you know um, win a game. I'm here looking up you guys' schedule right now, so that's why you oh, see me yes. looking oh, down my. because one of Phoenix tonight. You do, like and then. Tonight. You do. And that's a good team. So, and then you're going to play us after that. So, which is what we're going to get into um, a little bit. So, I mean, what are you expecting? Cause they haven't been good on the road. Mm-hmm. Um, the Suns are a good team. We're a good team. And then you guys have the jazz and the nuggets. This is like a West coast trip. It looks like for you guys mm-hmm. Four game West coast trips. Okay. So we're second in that trip. Um, we're going to be coming off of a back-to-back when we play you guys. I mean, we're at home. We're on a homestand mm-hmm. right now. But you guys would have had a night of rest, but you're still going to be traveling and coming in. So both teams kind of have something against them. You guys are like in Phoenix, and then you're flying and coming in, and you're traveling, and the Warriors are going to be on a back-to-back, even though they're at home. So, and we're kind of hot right now. You know, we're 7-1, and one, so we're playing well. Um for me, that game makes me a little nervous. It feels like a trap game for me because I, I mean, I think they'll take a team like the Hawks seriously. So that's not what I'm worried about, but just with it being like, it's our first back-to-back. Um, so I'm a little nervous about that. And, and, and the Hawks are still a team that can get hot at any time and kind of go on like, you know, a hot shooting spell and um you know, I just think that they're going to want to like start to turn things around and like kind of, you know, I don't know. I'm worried that like, like, I still think the Hawks are a really good team, I guess is what I'm saying. So they're, they're four and five right now, but I think you guys are going to turn it around. And I'm like, I don't want y'all to turn it around on us. Like turn it around, <laughs> turn it around after you play the Warriors. But well, what are your expectations for like that game and the trip? Like, what are, what are you thinking? My expectation is for Atlanta to just play team ball. You know, um, right now they're playing that it's my turn ball, like where everybody's just trying to get high and everybody's focusing more on offense. 
um, you know, Golden State is fourth in pace, and the Atlanta Hawks is what twenty fifth in pace, which means I think that our Golden pace State is up even after um, last night's game. But yeah, we are up there in pace. Four. No, it's four. It's four because it just updated. Is this updated? Okay. Which means that Golden State is going to run the Atlanta Hawks out of their arena, right? Because the Atlanta Hawks aren't good in transition. <laughs> so, it, and again, like I said, I don't expect the Hawks to bring their pace up in one game because they play Phoenix before they get to you guys. It's not going to improve on the end. So, if, if the Hawks don't take care of the ball, they're going to lose because Golden State is going to get out in transition. We like um, to turn the ball over, though. We do. <laughs> we don't, but we don't get transition points. The, we don't I have capitalize no, on that. We don't, we, don't do, we don't get a lot of transition points. The, the Hawk will rebound that ball, and they will walk that ball up. You know, for us to be so young, I, I have no idea why we play so slow. That's another thing I think has a lot to do with Nate. Golden State plays really fast, and Capella ain't going to last that. <laughs> He's just not going to last that long. If Capella goes hard on the boards, I can see the Hawks winning the game because that would limit Golden State, you know, um, possession, right? We've actually but been a great rebounding State team this year. I know that was I know the Golden State has been collectively good. In yeah. previous years, it's been where Draymond Green or the center that you guys have would be the ones responsible for grabbing rebounds. But now it's like mm-hmm. collective. Once someone or a teammate is shooting a ball, another teammate is looking to get the rebound. That's what I like about Golden State. Georgia State, I mean, not Georgia State, but Atlanta Hawks, no. They are just watching. <sighs> but one of the things, it's a collective group. It's a collective effort. And if the Hawks, again, like I said, don't <laughs> rebound, they're going to lose because Golden State hasn't been one of those good rebounding teams. Um, looking at the, you guys are number one in three-point percentage. I mean, three-point field goals, you take more, a lot. But you guys are third in three-point field goal percentage. We are 19. That's another difference. The Hawks have not been good in defending the three-point. I mean, how many did um, the Brooklyn Nets um, shoot? Like 20-something <laughs> threes? And then, you know, Utah Jazz came in and started shooting threes? Yeah. Like, we're not good in defending the threes. So that's where I could see um, Golden State advantage. Yeah, you no, know, I mean, rounding with four. I can't see any stat that we're leading. You guys are third. I mean, first and assist. We're sixteenth and assist. Like nothing in this indicates that the Hawks will win. <laughs> <laughs> nothing, nothing. No, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm just here smiling because it's just like it's been like two years since we've <laughs> since we've been this team. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm just here smiling because it's, it's nice to hear you talking so kindly about my team. Um, and I, I also know that struggle well of not defending the three-point line because we were just that team last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Hawks, you know, the Hawks can, though. I'm not saying that, like, they have the greatest personnel, but they – they can defend better because I watched it, right? Mm-hmm. And they can play better. So I still right now believe the Hawks are going to fix it and turn it around. Um, it sounds like there's some things Nate has to change. It sounds mm-hmm. like the players need to get a little bit more focused. But like, like I guess for you, what what is the, the point 
So it sounds like you think like if Capella is special and I don't know, maybe if you guys are having a really great shooting night, you'd give you guys a chance, but it seems like you're kind of giving us that, that, that edge. Um, and of course, well, let, me give you, well, let me give you a credit. The only reason why Kenny Atkinson, keep in mind, Kenny Atkinson played for Atlanta. I mean, he coached in Atlanta when we were that <clears throat> in 2015, right? Mm-hmm. It was him, Quinn Snyder, Darvin Ham. I can't do the other coach, but Quinn, um, you guys had a lot of great coaches on that bench. Quinn, Kenny, Kenny, oh my God. All good coaches. I think Kenny Kenny Atkinson has been great for Golden State because when you think about Kenny Atkinson, you think about the um, Brooklyn Nets, D-Lo. Oh yeah. Like, so when I look at the, when I look at the Warriors now, I look at a lot of what Kenny Atkinson implemented. No, no shade towards, you know, Steve Kerr. No oh, you shade. can shade him. That doesn't, the that doesn't bother me. The improvement, yeah, the improvement of Golden State this year looking a lot different. Not only is it personnel, but it's because of Kenny Atkinson. He's, he has a really good offense. That was probably one of my coaches that I was hoping that we would hire, um, that would get hired, not specifically for the Hawks, but that would get hired. So it's good to see him thriving. But going back to the game, I mean, if again, like I said, come down to Capella, but the stats indicate that the Atlanta Hawks just will not <laughs> will not be for this matchup. I mean, you guys are seven and one for the season. You're four and one at home, which means you hold home court really well, right? Yeah, the game we You're lost seven- was to the Grizzlies, and we had 22 turnovers in that game. But it makes me nervous because it's a back-to-back. And so that's why I feel like Atlanta could come in and capitalize on that, you know, if they're smart. Well, Atlanta is on the road. So <laughs> Atlanta is on the road. So they have to treat the road games the same way that they treat their home games. You know, they and they came – okay, go ahead. No, you're good. They came into the season saying that they wanted to make the State Farm Arena a hard place or a difficult place for opponents to play in. They're on their way to doing that, but they also have to make sure that they went on the road. Because what you and I really haven't discussed today is their division. The Atlanta Hawks have a tough division. Mm-hmm. It is Miami Heat, who, in my opinion, is the best team in the NBA right now. The Warriors they had a bad there. loss the other night. But Miami, Miami is, like, when I talk about Miami, like, they still have pieces that aren't there. I know you guys have pieces that aren't there, like Clay Thompson. But Miami And James, James really Wiseman. Well. Hmm? We have the best defense in the league, though, right now. You do? Let me look. I'm going to look yeah. right it's now. A, it just switched. We have the best defense in the league. And, like, the best since the Pistons. You know those well, Pistons. My, well, yeah, but Miami, like, Miami, to me, the co- like they are really really good i mean they are they what, what i'm saying is that the atlanta hawks is in a division where there's other good opponents there's charlotte and there's also washington wizards you can't the wizards rely are good. yeah we can't charlotte. rely on them to fall off yeah what i'm saying we can't rely on them to fall off remember last year charlotte was hot they were in the top what five six c last year and then they just fell off but I think Melo went down, right? He got hurt last year. Teams are better. So the Hawks can't rely on teams to fall off. But I know the Hawks are down there with with Milwaukee, you know, with Brooklyn. They're trying their best to shoot up the East. But again, like I said, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. 
So we're nine games in and we just have yeah, to see I, how they do. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I really see like a rebounding advantage for you guys right now. You should have a rebounding advantage, but the team has been rebounding well. So I just know because it just always happens when like teams play the Warriors, like Trey's going to be like lights out that day shooting. Like, I just like mm-hmm. see it, you know, you're going to all of a sudden like Herder is going to be like back in the form. So I expect it to be a close game. Um, I think they're going to shoot well, but I'm just kind of wondering overall, what are your thoughts on like what point in the season, like how long are you willing to be patient? Like what point do you need to start seeing the turnaround, you know, for you to be like, okay, because they can't get too far down. Right. Um, And you guys want to have like good seating for the postseason. You want to be like in a good place. So when do you expect that? Because you always kind of give, you said the writers are giving Nate time to implement his new system, which seems odd to me that it's like going more towards like mid-range shots. I think, I think uh, Jason Kidd is doing something similar in Dallas, but you know, how, what, what, what how much time, what's, what, what's the time frame you're giving him? Well, I don't, I'm not really giving him a time frame. The only thing I'm really thinking, only thing I'm really telling the players is that a lot of the accolades that you're getting is based off the first half of the season, right? Such as the playoffs. And I know Trey Young was really upset that he didn't make the playoffs in Atlanta, right? He should have made it. This year, if you're not doing well as a team, any accolade that you want is just not going to, it's just Wait, you're talking about happen. all-star? I'm talking about individual. Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. a lot of teams, like fan votes and things like that, it's, it's much better in the East. So you can't guarantee that you're going to be, you know, getting those fan votes because you're Trey Young. Um, again, as far as the deadline for them, I haven't given them a deadline because I'm right now thinking about the coaching staff. Should we add another more another coach with more experience other than Nate McMillan's son. I think, you know who we hired? Van Exel. Mm, Van Exel. Yeah. Okay. So I'm okay with Van Exel. I'm okay with, should we, sh- I'm okay with Nate McMillan, but should we strengthen our coaching staff to accommodate players? I want to try that first. So, um, what what would what would be what would be success on this road trip? I mean, obviously you want to win every game, but like, if they're two and two, is that good? Do they need to be three and one? If they come back, I prefer three and one, right? Because you want to win more than you lose, right? So obviously, I'm hoping to win tonight. I'm hoping to win against the Warriors. I'm hoping to win against the the. I'm hoping they lost. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that they come out 4-0, but if they lose a game, it will probably be the Jazz. We Why the Jazz think, and not us? I'm, no, I'm saying I, I, I could see them as well, but I was just saying that. I'm teasing you. <laughs> let me try to think. Will Capella will probably outdo Draymond if he has his left. 
who's John Collins? If we go to John Collins, I don't know who would be able to defend John Collins. And then Trey and Steph might equal out each other, might, you know, I can't see. Steph is like a top defensive guard this year. Did you know that? No, I did not. Congrats. Mm -hmm. Congrats. How many years has it been? Since he's been in the league, oh, like, wow, you're throwing shade. We are trying to get trade there. So if if if, <laughs> if Steph can get there, no, listen to me, listen to me. No, honestly, it's great. Why I say it's great because outside of Chris Paul. There's been no other, and, and, Isaiah, and Isaiah Thomas, we haven't really talked about, you know, short point guards who play defense. So to hear that Steph is up there, <coughs> I, I feel like you're patronizing that. me. <laughs> but, no, but, what I'm saying, no, but what I'm saying is that it bodes well for Trey Young in the future that he to see, oh, you know what, here's a shooter, you know. Steph, I mean Steph, I mean Steph Curry. I was going to say Steph Young. Steph Curry is 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 a is a shooter. He's one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. Out here leading, you know, in defense, I can do it too. So it's motivational for someone such as Trey Young to see that Steph Curry. And I'm gonna make sure that I mention that to him. Can you repeat that again? <laughs> Steph Curry yeah, but that. Steph. No, his defensive rating is like one of the highest for guards right now, but. I mean, Steph is taller than Trey. And the thing about it, Steph's defense has always been a little, he's always been a great team defender, right? Mm -hmm. He's also a good off-ball defender. People tend to like focus on ball, right? So the, the Warriors have always had a top defense. Like every year that we've contended, you've had a top defense. So if he was really as like horrific as people suggest, the defense just wouldn't be that good, you know? And so he's, he kind of doesn't get like fair coverage of his defense. And the last couple of years, it's definitely been like extremely better, but I mean, he led the league in steals before, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of his bad things is he used to reach a lot. Right. But Steph is a pretty good defender and a lot of defense is about effort. Right. Yes, so absolutely. like with Trey, he's just going to be limited because I mean, He's really, truly a small guard. Like people think Steph is, but he's six three. He's not really that small. But so Trey is Trey at is a disadvantage, huh? Trey is six one. Oh, okay, but still, that's still... like two inches too. But he's he's a small <laughs> guard. Well, yeah. I'm not trying to say that. Well, you but Trey, but Trey. I mean, not Trey, but Steph wasn't always. Steph put on muscle. You notice yes. that, right? Like, so it's been a while, but so, but. Steph was considered small by frame, frame wise, not height wise, frame wise. Absolutely. But I've been noticing Steph Curry lately. Them arms look a little bulky, and I yeah. was hoping, you know, I, I, like I said, I was hoping. Aisha's man is looking a little good. He's looking a little good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Aisha's man is looking a little good. <laughs> he looking a little good. Yeah, I see him. I see him. But he's Curry has added more like weight so that he wouldn't get back down as easy. So. It's been helpful to him. And I'm gonna say I'm hoping that Trey Young will look at that and add more muscle mass so that But I think it's Trey's effort too, right? Like, I mean, he has to be committed to that end. And it seemed like last year he was buying in. Is he still 
doing the same thing? Like, do you feel like he's completely I don't even know what the scheme is. I don't even know what the scheme is. I don't know. Like, to be honest with you, I we don't know who's doing what. The only, to be honest with you, John Collins is is, is improving in defense. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him credit for that. He is really improving in defense. And again, we mentioned we mentioned DeAndre Hunter. He's the best defender on the team. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Trey that's the weakest link. It's both. Who's the weakest? But oh, Okay. Yeah. He's not he a great will, He will. He will literally foul a fast break every time, and I'm like, just let him go. I'd rather <laughs> let him go than a foul or a fast break. It's interesting. They have a rule they're looking at to address that, like you know, fouling on the fast break. And I thought about him. I thought about him. What we're gonna do then? Okay. So we'll see. I mean, I I actually think it's gonna be a good matchup. I think. Well, what were we gonna say? Go ahead. Trey has played really well on defense as far as getting steals, um, being a help defender. I think the one game that he didn't do as well in was in the Brooklyn Nets game where he, he was responsible for covering um, Joe Harris. Is that his name? And I felt like he was going, he was overhelping too much. Overhelping. And he didn't need to because every time he went over to help, you know, um, Joe Harris was shooting a wide open three. So okay. um, he's he's been he's been working hard. I, I can give him that, but he can do better. They all can do better. So all right. I you know, I mm-hmm. I grew a lot of respect for Trey actually last year in the postseason. I was pretty impressed by him. Um I didn't love his recent comments, but I I I was impressed by what I saw. And so I think they're going to turn it around. I'm nervous about them turning it around when they play us, but mostly because it's a back to back for us. Um, I think they're, we're going to be a little lethargic. And so I think if there's a game that Atlanta can try to take advantage of, it's going to be that one. Look, it's going to be a test for us because you need to win back to backs, right? Mm-hmm. And Atlanta's a good team. Like despite their record, they're a good team. And so I think it's a good test for us. Um, and I just, I know you guys can like sometimes shoot the ball, not sometimes shoot the ball. You guys have shooters on the team. So I just, I just hope one of those hot streaks don't happen during the game, but I just, mm-hmm. I, I just feel like it's going to be a good close game. So that's what I think is going to happen. Um, I just want to touch on one more thing really quickly before we wrap up, mm-hmm. but you know, it, earlier we were talking about like the issue that occurred, um, with the comments that were made and who was it that got fired again? Lloyd Pierce. No, 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 no. The comments about the African player. Oh, you mean Danny Ferry. Mm-hmm. Danny Ferry. There you go. The name was like at the tip of my tongue. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, but in that situation, you were like, look, he didn't actually make the comments, but he was kind of the fall guy. Right. And I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how much of an impact that had on like when that happened, the players in the org. But, you know, there's like another story around the league right now with Sarver. And actually, yes. last night, news broke for the the um, Blazers, right? Like one of their executives investigation. Mm-hmm. is also under investigation. So a lot of stuff happening around the league. But with Sarver, you know, a lot came out of allegations, you know, um, misogyny, 
discrimination, lots of different claims. So the NBA is investigating. They're starting an investigation. Um, you know, like, what do you think is going to happen there? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's like another Clippers situation? Is he going to be forced out? Like, have you even had a chance to like look into that story and 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 have any form any opinion about it? I think that Earl Watson indicated that he had had some issues um, with the owner. I yeah. guess as far as um, how he played, you know, we always have issues with owners overstepping their boundaries. Owners should own, and and, and 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 the owner should be just an owner, right? They have people that they report to, which is the GM, the executive. They report to them based on what they're doing out in the field. And then the owner makes the decision whether or not they want to pay for it, right? The GM gives them their vision, and the owner pays for the vision. And a lot of times we see owners overstepping their boundaries. That's what happened with the Atlanta um, spirit group at, with the Atlanta Hawks. They couldn't agree on anything. They were overstepping each other's bound. They would bite back, they would bite, <clears throat> back biting each other. In this case, not only did I hear that he's racist, but he was misogynist, right? Meaning that he had issues with women. And they usually go hand in hand. You notice that? When it's, ra when it's racism, it's also issues with women, right? Right. <laughs> And as an African-American women, right, we fit both. So it's really hard for me to, like how, it's really hard for me to see how, see our roles in sports, right? When we're both, we're black and then we're women. And then we hear these comments from these owners, from these, you know, these coaches, cause you know, with the 49ers and things of that nature. In my opinion, a lot of them feel that way. A yeah. lot of them, a lot of them like us because we make the money. A lot of them like us because we are there safe. We're safe blacks with the ones that come off aggressive. They don't like the ones that speak their mind. They don't like, um, they don't sometimes like to be told that they're wrong, especially a billionaire. Right. Right. And coaches probably, coach probably told him no. And now he's calling something behind his back. Right. Because I don't think I don't think for us this was like news to us, right? Like I don't think there was any black mm -hmm. person that was surprised by this. We probably think yeah. many of the owners are like this. And I mean, you guys dealt with when I say you guys, Atlanta dealt with this with the with the WNBA team that's there as well, right? Um so you have some experience in like ousting an owner, <laughs> getting rid well, of them on the WNBA side. You know, she wasn't really, I don't think she was just, she just wasn't a good fit. I mean, I I didn't think she was that way. Let's just be honest with you. And I don't think she, she was never real. That's what, that's what they are. They're just not real. They are, they're not going to get any money, which she wasn't really getting, I'm not going to be honest. She wasn't really getting any money. So it was almost like she was charity. Like she was just, she didn't really have to own that line of drink. I'm going to, be upfront with you that WNBA loses more money than they actually make other than like the last couple of years where the ratings have been high. Her issue was that she's a Republican. She's totally against everything that the WNBA stands for. And you know, the WNBA is LGBT. So her, for her to 
the anti or want to pass anti-LGBT legislation, it didn't go right with the league. It didn't go right with the players. But she had to go. Right. Um, but I, I've never met her face to face, but I've probably shaken her hand and said, good job. I've, I've probably tweeted things about how I admired her because a lot of times these teams are co-owned by NBA teams, but the Atlanta Dream was actually co-owned by women. And as a woman, I see you get that. And for her to be the person that, for her to reveal who she really was, saddened me. And I was really, really taken aback. Um, Angel McCautry, like Angel McCautry liked them or liked her. And it was shocking to Angel McCautry. I don't even think Angel McCautry really spoke on it. I think that she was, you know, sometimes people are Republicans. She just, I felt like she ran just to, I didn't, I don't think that was her. Uh, she was a Manchurian candidate. You know what a Manchurian candidate is? Mm-hmm. So, the puppet yeah, for I someone, mean, the puppet, she's the puppet yeah, for someone no, who wants. Absolutely. So, and she acted her role. The same thing with Sarah Palin back in the day when Barack Obama was running. They yeah, used, I'm not I'm not so forgiving. I mean, they could be puppets, but they signed on for it. So it, what you would notice in a Republican Party is they don't even respect the Caucasian women, right? But what they would do is they would use them as candidates to get those suburban votes. They really wanted her to get those soccer mom votes. But you know, like I said, I don't want to go into politics because I don't right. really care. Anything, but it was really good to see them take a stand. And going back to the Sarva situation, this is Chris Paul's second incident, right? The second second incident. team he's been on involving an mm-hmm. owner, yeah. I'm pretty sure that Chris Paul would have figured it out based on his encounter. So I'm just shocked that we know that Chris Paul didn't see through this, this owner. Yeah, Being I see a lot of people... I'm sorry, go ahead, finish your statement. Go ahead. You can go ahead. No, I mean, I see, you know, the thing about it is like, it's a hard situation because I I don't think that like Chris Paul, Monty, any of these people were not like aware. I'm not saying that they knew all of these details. And I'm not even saying that like they witnessed anything. But like, the way that you said you weren't surprised by this, like, we all know that a lot of these owners, how they think, right? We, we know this. We know this is Black people. And so, but you still have a job to do and you still have to get paid by these people. There's only so many teams in the league you can play for, you know? So it's, in, it's a difficult position because you have to work for these people knowing that they may not really like you, you know? And so I don't really kind of put that on the players that much because- there's only so much, I don't know. It, it's, a, it's a difficult situation. You know, they got to still earn their living for their family. And it's like, if you're really going to stand up, you probably got to stand up against most of the owners in the league because I don't think that Sarver is unique. That's all I'm going to say about that. Okay, I, so I, let's I don't just think go, it's unique. Let's go over, okay, so let's just go over what is being, you know, thrown at this owner, right? They're saying that he allegedly used an N-word in front of Earl Watson. Right. If he did use that word in front of Earl Watson, why wasn't, why didn't Earl Watson notify anyone? 
that's a no-no. Like, that's just a no-no. You just cannot call a person the N-word in front of them or behind their back. It's just... Well, so mm -hmm. he didn't... I don't think he called him that. He was, like, saying the word. It was in reference to, like, Draymond mm -hmm. Green, actually, ironically. Like, you know, and he's like, if he can say it, why can't I say it? And he just, like, kept saying the word. And Earl mm -hmm. was saying that he told him you can't say that, you know, you can't use that word. And he's like, why not? But like, then there were like other people who said that he's used the word. So like no one, I don't think ever alleged that he directly called them N word, but he's used the word. And, um, you know, there was another, I think quote, like along the lines of like, we need to hire, you know, N words because they'll relate to other, mm. you know, so, but, you know, in terms of, cause I'm an employment lawyer. So in terms of like why people report and don't report, we should never, ever ask the question. Like you, like, again, Earl was like, he's a coach mm -hmm. and there's not many black head coaching jobs. Right. True. So again, you could say like, well, why didn't he speak up? And he's speaking up now. He went on the record. Most people didn't. And he didn't have to do that because like he said in his statement, he has the privilege to do that. But again, there aren't many black coaching jobs. So that was like, a, a, a you know, a few years ago, he might be thinking, will I be able to get another head coaching job? You know, like it's not sure. easy. So we have different considerations when these things happen to us that like white people just don't have to consider, right? Mm -hmm. Like they can go report, but we could report and even though we were wronged, we could still get blacklisted later. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right, because it's the owner who decides whether or not he wants to spend the money on the, the recommendations of the gym. So you're absolutely right. And once it gets out that a coach told on another coach, and you know that you're racist, you know you use those words, then of course you don't want that coach around because you want to continue to use that N-word just, just as well, you know, as Sarver did. So I agree with you on that. Thanks for correcting me on that. So it should no, never, no. we should never want, no, no, you're good, we should never, we should never blame victim or ask why they didn't tell us so many reasons why victims do not come forward. And Earl Watson is a victim. So I do, in no way I'm not saying that, he, it, you know, it's his fault or he should have, he is a victim in all of this. And, and in fact, I hope they figure out the real reason why he was fired. And give them another yeah. opportunity. It's going to be interesting. And now with this other workplace investigation starting in Portland, I just wonder how many more of these are going to like come out, right? And if more, because you had Dallas Mavericks. I don't know if that was last season or the season before, but you had like all that stuff that came out over there. So you just have stuff coming out about like these orgs. And I don't know. I guess it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Listen. like I said, I, I just, the, the WNBA, I mean, not WNBA, but the NBA really doesn't, really don't need this right now. It's too early in the season, but I mean, it's, it's a dark cloud, you know, it's a dark cloud over the NBA right now, having to deal with this and what's going on in Portland. Yeah. But we also know, we, we also know that Portland has issues um, because, you know, they're still trying to figure out whether or not. Damian Lillard should remain with the team or go join another team in content, right? And then we also know that the issue with um, Phoenix, not, you know, re-signing or 
negotiating with their star center, right? DeAndre. So a lot of times I do find things like the timing of things, uh, like just even the timing when the reports were leaked about Danny Ferry. It was odd because we were in the middle of trying to sign free agents or, or make a, a trade deadline deal and this popped up, you know? So it, it's always the timing. And I just feel like sometimes like who's leaking this, right? Yeah, you know, it, I was, was it something um, that somebody was it something that somebody sat on and they decided, okay, well, you know, I'm not, I can't get my word. This is not happening. I'm just gonna go ahead and leak it now. Right. Yeah. I was in I was in a spaces um, mm-hmm. like when because I think about maybe a week or two weeks ago there was a, a reporter I don't remember his name who kind of leaked that this story was coming on the Phoenix Suns, but he wasn't the person writing the story, but he knew about it. And so people were talking and people were like kind of equating it to DeAndre Ayton. And I said, you know, depending on what comes out and like what did eventually come out, there's no way that I think it has anything to do with DeAndre Ayton because the amount of information, 70 people um, reporting allegations, Mm. this had to have been something that he was working on for a long time, right? And so even when that guy said it, it still didn't come out, the actual report, for like two weeks later, right? So he's been interviewing people and interviewing witnesses and, you know, so I can't say that's always the case for everyone. And I I get definitely your inclination to think that, but in that particular situation with the Suns, I don't think there's any coincidence between Aiden and and this I just think like there was some shit going on in in, in uh, Phoenix and it's it's come to light so you know we'll see we'll see the NBA has you know opened up a investigation they hired a really good firm so um we'll we'll see what happens so stay tuned listen Mo it was great having you on today I'm so thankful that you came to to chat about your Hawks with me you know, may the best team win, but I'm hoping it's my team. So <laughs> I hope you guys go three and one, but I hope that one loss is to the Warriors. <laughs> no, really. Thank you so much, girl. Thank you so much. And um, let's, oh, my pleasure. Um, guys, follow Mo. She's good, you know, especially if you want to know a little bit about the Hawks and she's just like a, a great person. So follow her. Her Twitter, as usual, will be posted in the show. And make sure, guys, if you like what you're hearing, if you're on audio, please rate the show, review the show. I'm really appreciative so far of the support for all that. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment, like, download on your favorite, you know, um, preferred streaming platform. All those things really help and support me as a content creator. And definitely, I like the feedback and comments because just let me know what you want, want to hear, like me to do better questions. You know, I, I, I produce this content because I love doing this, but I want it to be something that my listeners are enjoying. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you, Mo, for joining. And um, we'll see the Hawks on Monday. Yes. Go All right. <laughs> Later, girl. Bye-bye.